Has anyone here heard of a company called CoStar? You know, it sounds like something in a bad movie where like, that's the evil corporation. This is so untrue, <laughs> but it's like, what does that even mean? And they're just like big giant building downtown and they control the world. Yeah. It's like some is that what it is? futuristic dystopian world yes, run by exactly. CoStar. Mm -hmm. I saw it in the article. Yeah. But other yeah. than that, yeah, no. <laughs> Isn't it interesting that there's there's probably hundreds and hundreds of companies, in fact, I know there are, that are enormous, that we have no idea they exist. Yeah. yeah. Like So CoStar is a $32 billion market cap company. No big deal. Three times the size of Zillow in terms of value uh, in the stock market. And yet most people in our space have no idea who they are. But they're about to learn a lot more, not just because of today's episode. But like even I live in central Ohio, Columbus area, you start driving out like 20 minutes past where the suburbs end and you just see this giant factory and it usually has a foreign name on it. And I'm always like, what do they make there? What is that? And there's just a sign that says like, do not enter. Don't ask questions. Keep moving. But sketchy. Conspiracy. Yeah, I'd theorist. go in there for sure. Yeah. With camera. I know it's not CoStar because it's. I, I can I can read that pretty easily, but yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's fascinating that they're about to potentially just cause a lot of chaos. Can't mm -hmm. wait to. I'll enjoy it out of nowhere. Oh, I'll enjoy watching. <laughs> change is, <laughs> change is always fun, no matter what. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's get started. Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the industry leaders at Do You Convert, where we talk about the current and future state of marketing and online sales for builders and developers across the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. Is there a topic you'd like us to cover or a question you'd like us to answer? We'll do it. Simply send an email to show at doyouconvert.com. Welcome to episode 260. I'm Kevin Oakley and with me today is the ad doctor, Andrew Peek. And Jesse Suggs. We are Howdy. here. I love it. Online sales coach, Jesse Suggs. One of the fan favorites. We jokingly say, because we know Jen listens, that she's our favorite. But Jen, you're really <laughs> our favorite. <laughs> hey, this is the final episode recording before the Builder Show. So we'll try to get this one out maybe on Monday. If we really, I mean, we got we to gotta book it. But we'll try to get it out so you can listen to it, hopefully, on your way to the show. But if you don't have time to, to listen, I hope you had a good show. Yeah. For now, on to in Vegas. story time. Yes, and you're yeah. always going to have a better time in Vegas than Orlando. I think we yeah. can all 100%. celebrate that. Yeah. All right, Jesse, you want to start off story time for us? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I kind of have two parts. One doesn't really have anything to do with anything. Second one has some importance. But the first one was last night I was tearing out some stuff in my closet. We're putting built-ins into my closet Ooh, and one wall of it is shared between my shower in the other room and my closet. And it's always had particle board on it. So I've been in my house for about a year now. So we're still kind of doing all of the things to it. And so it's like this weird painted particle board. And so we've known, okay, we have to tear that down, put drywall up before we can put built-ins on that portion of the wall. And you guys are doing it, it fancy. You don't want to just put drywall over the particle board. Well, it would stick kidding. out too far. I don't know. I don't know anything about that stuff. Well, but your husband does. He's, right. He, he builds things. He you know. builds right. homes for a living. So he 
started taking all of that down. I was watching. It has a cutout at the bottom, which was really strange. We didn't know what it was for, but we knew the shower was on the other side. So we figured it was access to some type of something. So he takes out the, what was like a hundred screws to keep this small piece of particle board on the wall and behind it drywall. (laughs) So we were like, okay, mystery. Why did you put this ugly thing up and seal it with caulk? They, they use caulk as glue. So now we have to take the drywall down. And so I was thinking about this because I listened to the podcast last week that you, Kevin and Jackie were talking about like people charging a lot for their trades and their services right now. And I was just thinking to myself, I surely hope the previous homeowner did not pay a lot of money for that because that is a joke. I'm assuming they did it themselves. I Um, I know you have probably a moral to the story, but I have to jump in and say, when the crew is here fixing some of issues in our house, one of the issues was that tile in our master shower on the drain. It was like a fancy drain in the shower that has tile within it. So it's like disguised. And the tile was had popped up and and someone came in previously and looked at it and like, oh, they just used the wrong material to seal around it. You can't use normal grout because water gets behind there, pops up. No, no, no. The the crew who came to actually do the work, they're like, hey, Kevin, you won't believe what's in here. They're from Jordan, so they didn't sound like that. But they said, hey, Kevin, <laughs> take a look at this. They had used masonite, which is a laminate material, like a really hard compressed form of cardboard as the backer material to the tile. Mm. And so it had just expanded, you know, like a croissant as soon as it started being used. It was like, what was someone thinking? They clearly were not thinking. I know. That's just, I was just doing that last night. And then I was thinking about story time today. And it's just check, double check people's work, guys. Like, you know, you're paying people to do a service, but always double check it. But the second part of my story time is even more important and probably what you care about hearing. And that is the new quarter four benchmarks. Mm. So we finalized everything. And then we actually did our 2022 year in benchmarks. So I'll fly through it because we've got tons of stuff coming out about yeah. it, probably an opt-in, but uh trending quarter four appointment made to kept typically sits around 90% dropped to 87%. Not a huge difference. Lead to appointment kept went up from 39% to 42% because we're sending more at-bats out. People aren't you know, ready to buy right now. Appointment to sale, same as quarter three, which was down 5% to 15%, which is a pretty <laughs> drastic drop. And then overall company contribution, 47% from 51. So not a huge change there either. And then year conversions, 88 37, 18, 52. No, I flew through that, but they're all very similar just to kind of show, you know, things change, but they always kind of stay the same. I mean, we watch them come up and go down. And as the leads volumes change, it follows suit typically if you follow the same process. So the mojo in online sales world is feeling pretty good right now. Like I'm hearing from the OSCs that they're, they're feeling more confident and they're getting more leads coming in. And so that is my good news and my story time. I love it. I also, yeah. when you were saying that information, it's fourth quarter of last year. So right. October, November, December. So it's like, oh, that that's pretty similar to what we were experiencing. But now we're we're looking backwards in time. Uh, because now one of the things that we don't, we're not publishing the data on first quarter, of course, because we're just in January. But as lead volume recovers, as it typically does in January when things get busier, that will inherently probably mean that lead to appointment ratio 
will go down a bit. It doesn't have to go down a lot, depending on how mm-hmm. the team handles that volume. But part of the reason for the increase in uh, lead to appointment ratio is because there were fewer leads, but those leads were of even higher quality and had higher intent to move forward. So I love it. Yeah. Yeah. That and, that, and, and they're doing more prospecting when it was slower. So they have, you know, went from what was like 10 to 15% of all appointments being aged to like 20 to 30%, which would of course, slow down a bit too. So yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I love it. Andrew, what do you got? Yeah, I have two things, but I'll piggyback on that. Earlier today, marketing meeting, we talked about a kind of like what would be like a best practice or like what would be the conversion rate traffic to lead. And the point was brought up, I forgot who brought it up. It might have been Becca or Bryce, that if depending on what you're doing with marketing, you yourself are going to push your conversion rate down. Like you will yeah. push it down. It's not yeah. the market. So as you're like, oh no, we're at oh, point, right. point 0.5 or point 0.8. It's like, well, you tripled your Facebook spend mm-hmm. or you did this or you, or you added in a bunch of display or you, or whatever you did. So you pushed it down, but then you look at it, the, your numbers, you're like, what the heck is going on? Like, this is awful. What are we doing? What are we doing? It's like, well, you just did that. Like, like don't forget. I think we, we sometimes forget, like we kind of have an influence on these numbers. Your numbers are not the same as someone else's numbers. They might have four home sites available yeah. ever. So their conversion rate will be terrible. You have 400, yours will be much different. So I was just thinking about that, like, oh man, you could totally manipulate your numbers to look good or bad. Yeah. And so if it's you just like look a, out a single metric, it doesn't it makes no, doesn't matter. It is more helpful if you're watching the video. Um, there's a game called oh, Chicky Boom Chicky and boom. it's, it's a kid's game. That's fun. And it's, a, it's all about balancing based upon math. So each object has a number, which also correlates to the weight of that object. But little kids don't understand that yet. So when you're playing with them, like you can win as an adult every time, as long as you're willing to do the math. <laughs> but you have to keep it balanced so the whole thing doesn't tip over. And I think people misunderstand that benchmarks and ratios are not the answer. They point to things driving the answer that may be off balance. Right. And so like to your point, Andrew, limit, like maybe. that traffic to lead ratio going down, this is maybe controversial, but I, that makes me even more excited to talk about it. Yeah. yeah, I think it's good. Is not bad in and of itself, right? Yep. Like the what I mean yeah. is it's not a letter grade. Right. It's not a letter on its grade. Own. It's mm-hmm. not just an A or a B or a D or an F. It is something that tells you we increase traffic intentionally. Now, that's step one of, the, of solving the problem on its own. So you have to start there when you're trying you have, to solve the problem. You have to do that. You can't run from it. I yeah. think that the mistake could be if you put too much emphasis on a single metric, you'll say you're increasing traffic, increasing traffic, conversion rate goes down. You're like, oh, shoot, we did the wrong thing. I better reverse everything I did. It's like, no, 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 no. Like, look at the other metrics, leads, appointment, sales. Yeah. If those went up, but your conversion rate went down, that's a huge win to me. Like, yeah. what actually matters is is that. So I thought that was, a, that was a fun conversation. And then I just pulled up some metrics as far as, like, how is January looking for Google cost per click and then Facebook CPCs, like what, what's going on there. So Facebook from January 1st through today, our average, so this is DYC, our average went from 45 cents up to 62 cents, the first through the 26. So it is what it is. I, yeah. Again, it's a single metric. It could mean something. It could not mean anything, but it is like, oh, that's interesting. So if you're seeing your cost rise, that might be might be normal. And then um, Google actually went down. So that's, that's fine. First part of the year, $1.18. And then 
we're down to like a bit over a dollar, dollar four. Yeah. Um, magical. Just yep. some, when, just the, when the volume increases, there's more to, to bid on. So even if strategy and tactics haven't changed dramatically, you can still see cost decreases if you're, if you're paying attention. I'm going to go back to two things because Jesse's here with us. The first is just continuing to talk about the balancing or equation aspect of what we're doing. So call today, so I'm with Julie talking to a builder, and I love this about uh, when builders do this. That she's like, I've got the market proof algorithm already filled out, all the data's in here. So I mean, like five years ago, we would spend 15 minutes on a call walking people through how to find all the data points and helping them you know, pull it live on the call and all that. And she's like, I already did all that. It's here. Here's the community's data. It's all in front of us. But January just doesn't make sense to me so far. And we look at it and it says that for this particular community, there was like 5,900 traffic units, which was way more than the, the algorithm said would be necessary. There were 17 leads, Jesse, and 15 appointments scheduled so far for the month. Mm-hmm. 17 and she's leads, like, 15 appointments. Yeah, 17 okay. leads, 15 appointments. Hmm. Like, we don't have to do any more searching around. We just look at that and say, that middle number makes no sense. Yep. And it's this blinking red light that says, investigate me, please. And so we just talk through. Now, there's most likely, because appointments are happening, they're getting more leads than that. I said, I mean, first question is, were all 15 of those leads from, or appointments from leads of prior months? Because that could happen. That would be a really bad indicator for the traffic that's coming to your site this month if none of, of the appointments were coming from leads of the current month. And all you're like, no, it's an even distribution and a lot of them are from this month. Okay, so maybe all the phone calls aren't being entered into the system as leads. Maybe email copies of leads are getting to the online team, but the copy that goes to the CRM is getting lost or stuck somewhere. Something got disconnected or broken. But essentially, that, need, that whole thing needs to be audited, both for potential human error and system error. Yeah. And she's like, oh, okay, yeah. We talked for another minute about how to do that. And she's like, awesome. I've got everything I need for today. Now I know what to go do. But you could, you could have looked at the sheet and said, hmm, we, the sheet says we only need you know, 14 appointments this month. We've got 15. All good. It's making sure that the equations are balanced and that things make sense. And I was, I was referencing... I was like, like, this is terrible because I'm a huge Star Wars fan and I don't know which movie this is from. I think it's the second one where Obi-Wan Kenobi goes to the Jedi archives and he's looking for this lost planet that's referenced. And he's like, I can't find the planet in the charts anywhere. And Yoda's like, that's weird. Are you sure it exists? He's like, yes, and it should be right here, but it's not. And he's like, well, then you got to go there because that's where it is. Like, just because it's, and so that's the hard part about data is most people spend all the time analyzing what is there? And a whole bunch of the time, the answer is, wait a minute, something's missing mm-hmm. or it doesn't sync up correctly. And like letting yourself get annoyed mentally to the point where you're like, I'm going to figure this out right now. <laughs> I, figured out. I think part of that intuition is just, you need to be in there enough. Otherwise you'll yeah. be like, oh, this is great. Our online sales team's amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, mm, is it, is it the know. thousand hour something. principle or 10,000 hour principle? I think. Yeah, ten thousand hours. Uh, yeah, Gladwell. Yeah, I think Gladwell. And that's that's again why mentorship is is helpful. But I, I thought that was interesting. And then I want to workshop something with Jesse live on the podcast. Oh, yeah. You might think this is terrible. Okay. okay. I like it. Let's Just go. so you know, so you can know how much you're going to hurt me. I think it's pretty good, but it could be terrible. 
It could okay. be terrible. I'm just trying to hurt his feeling. So talking to a top four home building company in the country, and there was many executives on the call who, let's just say, maybe didn't fully understand what online sales and marketing do. But they were asking some good questions. And some of their questions was like, well, I don't understand if a lead comes in and, and the customer is looking for a home in Colorado and then they become a lead for Florida the next day, why don't we just email them and say, hey, why are you looking at homes in two different states? That's kind of odd. Is there something that we need to know to help you? Know, just ask them this very specific question you want and then they'll tell us and then we would know what to do. Almost like it's a like computer talking to computer. Right? Not understanding yeah, the complexity. They will answer of the, 100%. Of the human. <laughs> and quickly. And I was like, hey, everyone, time out. Um, first of all, we, we might be asking those questions. Second of all, I promise you that most customers won't know exactly why they're doing what they're doing. Now, in the example of multiple states, maybe they're potentially relocating to one of two places. And so that, that does make sense. But a lot of the stuff that a consumer does in the shopping journey and right now for me, it is cars. Like I feel compelled to say certain things are important to me about a car because of what I know my wife thinks is important because of what I've researched that smart people think about and ask. And, mm-hmm. and I start getting overwhelmed. But I, if I, when I show up in a, at a dealership, I'll say something and you know, a good salesperson when they're like, are you, why are you concerned about that? And they're not just accepting it. They're like, well, that's not typically something I would hear, which might be a script. Maybe they hear it all the time. They're like, no, no, you don't have to worry about all 15 of those things. You just have to worry about these two things. And I'm an expert in those two things and I'll help you figure it out. It's all good. Yeah. And so I, I was trying to help them understand that. It, and it kind of hit me that there might be three buckets that all leads kind of fall into. And Jesse, again, has been an online sales specialist for many years, coaches, uh, online sales coach now for uh, many, many builders. <clears throat> I think one, and this kind of correlates to what we've talked about before in terms of calls to action that need to be on your site. But first one is, I have a question about what I'm seeing. Please answer it for me. I can't find it. It doesn't appear to be on the site, right? I just, I have a question that I need an answer to. The second one is, I'm ready to take the next step forward, but either I can't self-service like on-demand access is not an option. I can't buy now. I can't design and add to cart. I want to take the next step. I either don't know what it is, or it's clear to me that I have to become a lead in order to take that next step. And the third is, I don't need any of that. I just need a human being to give me confidence Mm -hmm. about what's going on, to like hold my hand and either say, you're nuts, or yeah, we, we think this could work. And I think that's it. And I think sometimes we get stuck, especially with like non-responsive leads that come in. We try to ask the specific thing because maybe we know what page they went on or we know what they looked at. And great, you should try that stuff. But I think if we could discover which one of those three things were the cause for someone reaching out, it tells us a lot. Now, before you break my heart and say I'm crazy, let me just give one more example of why I think this is important. Because if I reached out <clears throat> to take action, that is an ephemeral thing. I could, I could want to take action for the next 30 seconds and then not want to. Again, like I've almost bought a Tesla twice and then I'm like, I don't want a Tesla. They look boring. They're all the same. 
They're probably going to change weird. soon. Sometimes they catch on fire. I don't know. I just, all these dumb example things that maybe don't matter come to my mind. And I don't want to buy a Tesla anymore. So when Tesla called me later that day and I accidentally answered the phone, and so I'm talking to this lady, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I'm busy right now. Can you call me back later? Sure, it would be a good time for you. I tell her a time and then I don't answer because I'm so busy with stuff. I just don't. So now I'm, I'm dodging Tesla for the next two weeks as they keep trying to call me from different numbers and harass me. But I've moved on from that. So if I understood which thing, like, then I can understand maybe where I need to go back to instead of assuming, like, anyway, that's just my thought is that those three things, trying to figure out which of those three things caused the initial lead to be created is important. Yeah, I think all of that comes naturally through conversation. I think the only reason anybody inquires is because they have questions, whether it's questions on how to get to their next step, questions on specific details or questions just about the process in general. Who am I? How can I help you? They're coming to us because they need something. And whether they're a first-time home buyer, first time to new construction, because we all know that process is way different and, and it comes with its own challenges and learning curves, or it's somebody who's bought and sold a ton of times. I specifically had a, a realtor investor that worked and called me every time she had interest for one of her buyers. They ended up buying like 40 something homes in one year through just the pipeline of relationship wow. with me. But nice. she kept coming to me because she needed something, even though she was an expert, like she knew the process. Mm -hmm. But it's not only that she needed something, but she now knew and I we groomed each other on how to best work the process. And so I think, yes, 100%, it's one of the three buckets. Like that makes complete sense. Or just one, sense. to your yeah. point. It's like, Kevin, yeah. stop overcomplicating things. Yeah, it's, it's just one, one bucket. <laughs> but it's because they need something. And yes, they could go on site and ask those same questions. And so that's where it's like, okay, why do some people come online and some people don't? Like, why are there creepers on that are always on our website, but they never inquire? Or there's people that inquire multiple times and they come in the system as duplicates, but they never respond. And then they go out to the model home on their own. Like, those are the questions that haunt me at night because I'm like, what can we be doing differently to engage these customers either earlier in the process or send them things that are more important to them? And so I think how we follow up with them based on what they're looking for is the answer to that problem. So I think, you know, how we communicate with a first time buyer versus how we communicate with somebody who has done this a hundred times should look different. And I, I read this statistic the other day, I have to look up where I found it, but it said like 49% of adults between the age of 19 and 29 still live at home right now, which yep. to me was like, what the heck? Like, okay, so only 50% either live in an apartment or own a home. So that's a huge buyer pool right there that yeah. we're looking for, but those are all going to be first time buyers. And so those are the people I think that are more apt to inquire online first. So that was a long answer to your question, Kevin, but I agree with what you said. Well, I, and also most of those first time buyers will not probably end up buying a typical first time home buyer product as their first home. I mean, that's, that was even a phenomenon for a lot of my friends back in Pittsburgh in 07 is they're like, we're buying our very first home. It's like, oh, cool. What are you, what are you thinking about? Like this neighborhood over here from the 300s <laughs> to high to, oh no, we're going to, you know, this $650,000 home. Like that's your first home? Street yeah. You know, the average existing home in Pittsburgh was like 79 grand. So I was like, 
Well, we just wanted what we wanted and we didn't want to live in, you know, a house without granite countertops and all this other stuff. And I was like, okay. So go ahead. So they're living at home and saving money. Just to say, just saying that, meaning that don't assume that just because someone says this is the first time they're buying that you need to treat them any one way. Like humans are all still individual. Yep. 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 Totally agree. Yeah. Human behavior is interesting. I kind of piggybacking on the millennial thing. I wish I would pull the article because it was so interesting. Essentially was the tolerance of inefficiencies or like how patient you're willing to be for younger generation, millennials and beneath whatever is, it's like, there isn't patience. So that's where like, to me, local business, like, okay, there's no tolerance for that. That's why e-commerce, like I can get in exactly what I want. I know when I'm getting it, there's no running around. And that's where like unattended access, all those things are just so important because you are like, there's no patience for that. Um, so which bucket are they in? And they're like, they're in the inpatient bucket. Like I need the answer now. Um, yeah. So it's like online sales. I'm like, okay, that's like. Again, you think about there. Uber, you think about yeah, um, everything. We, we've talked for years now about the Uberization of, of new home sales and how that's likely to be the path we go towards. Would I like a real driver or not? Well, most people probably would still feel more comfortable with a real driver. But if you told me that the real driver um, has a rating less than perfect fives and isn't going to show yeah. up for 15 minutes, and they smoke, uh, I'll take they, I'll take the automated be, yeah. car now. Thanks. I'll take my chances. Yeah. Especially if the end goal is to have, I don't know this, I think this is the only goal, autonomous vehicles, you sign your car up to Uber yeah. and it's driving itself. I'm not using it. My car's been Ubering all day and it's very, it's much more shorter distance and transactional type, type situations. So you're like, oh, I'm going down the road. I don't want to drive. It's four dollars. It's three dollars. Real short trips. Yeah, interesting. Right, but it's just everyone's impatient. But I also think what's interesting is that there is this because uh, I've been again diving back into just go, going in the CRM, seeing conversations back and forth, and the, a lot of conversations from on-site salespeople right now are. I, I think it was you or Jen actually that brought this up as well. Like. They're overcomplicating and slowing down the process significantly. And I've told the story many times about the first time I bought a house from Rockford Homes here in town. The salesperson, I, it was my fifth appointment. I was like, can we buy the house now? Because we kept like, can we change the shutter shape? And he was like, yeah, we'll have the redrawn, come back next week, and then we'll talk. I was like, can we just buy it and then fix the shutters? Or do we like what? Like, I'm ready to go. Like, let me. So, yeah. so sometimes, especially in on your lot or custom building. The customer assumes this must be an incredibly complicated process. And you might think, well, I don't want to make it sound too easy because then that's setting bad expectations. But also, if they don't ever talk to you because they think it's going to be a five-hour conversation once they finally cross the, cross the threshold, they might just not call you. And so there right. does have to be this messaging of, you know, we can make this st- straightforward and, and easy for you. Now, if, if it becomes less easy, that's kind of your fault. You can't, how do you say that nicely? But that's usually where things go down, go, go the wrong way. Anyway. Yeah, we, we did, I did a handoff training for an onsite team just this morning. And that was one of the things of like, what is the online sales specialist going to be doing prior to the appointment coming over to you? And that is setting proper expectations for your customer. And that does include the length of time that they're going to be there. Not saying, okay, you're trapped here for an hour. But the average time is this, but you really are the one that steers the ship here. Like if you just want to come in and take a look, take a look. If you want to sit down yeah. and do pricing, we can do that too. But it's letting them know that upfront so that they're not nervous to 
to actually show. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think to your last point on this, I'll move to the news because we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, to your point, Andrew, about the lack of patience, the thing that probably makes me more upset than anything is when people won't give you, now, Sean Van Dyke, if you're listening, I, I hear you, I'm supposed to pay you to give me a proposal for something. Mm. Totally makes sense. But I think Sean also would say that if I just want a ballpark, like the guy who came to quote me for exterior Christmas lights um, that I talked about last week on the podcast, if he would have just said, hey, ballpark range is like three to $15,000, yeah. Are you interested in me coming out? I would have said no. But for him to come out, waste 45 minutes of my time with a song and dance, park in my grass incorrectly and ruin that, and like just talk to me as if he wants to be my best friend, and this is a pretty transactional thing, that, that's what as a consumer I, just, I want to avoid as much as possible. Yeah, you both wasted your time. Yeah. Now, at some point in the process, especially in a home, you're going to cross that threshold from person transacting and giving information to a trusted advisor and potentially a friend. But I think, I think the patience for that like song and dance part of this whole thing is really low. Agreed. Especially in our industry, yep. especially after the last two years. Yeah. Yep. Yep. 100%. All right. Um, first up from the news, doyouconvert.com. What to focus on when setting goals in 2023 as an OSC um, Jesse, I still have not picked a word of the year yet. I might get to it later, but I also didn't make it a goal of mine. Um, okay. That's fair. Well, you should do it because it takes a lot of thinking. It's You're really not, fun. I need you. I need fear in my life sometimes to overcome hurdles. So I'm just going to say that if I don't pick a word by February 1st, Andrew, you can pick a word for me. There you go. Ooh. Then you'll get it tattooed on you. <laughs> oh my gosh. Can we talk about Yes. <laughs> Rachel no. uh, on our team, online sales coach as well. She sent out a picture of a tattoo of her arm that said no lead left behind. And she's like, folks, I'm hardcore. I'm dedicated. I'm in it. Take a look at this. And it's a win it. And I was like, what? I, I mean, I, Me too. I was like, am I going to get in trouble as a owner of like, if people start to put things related to work on their body, <laughs> is that somehow like, just feels, a lawsuit I mean, I'm on one hand, I was really proud and excited for her and, and her dedication. And I was like, what's going on? She let us sit with it for like 10 minutes and then she was like, just kidding. Just kidding. It was like a print off <laughs> translucent. I don't know what, how, how that works, but it was well, like there's like tattoo. the temporary tattoos that are like yeah. three, six weeks or something. Yeah. And she's like, That's I funny. printed it off and I didn't reverse it. So then I was already invested. So I was trying to take a picture in the mirror to get the reverse image and then I oh, had to start funny. over. So she was fully <laughs> in it to prank all of us. I didn't realize pranks were something we did here, but. Um, on. Now we do. I guess. Yes. On. Now we do. Anyway. Okay. Where, where were okay. we? <laughs> anyway, your article about goal no setting. Yeah. I think people are kind of overthinking a lot of things right now and goals being one of them, especially when we don't know what's coming in the future. So I really just wanted to put it in writing of like, goals don't have to be one set thing. In fact, it shouldn't be one set thing. It should be something that you come and reevaluate often. But when you're focusing on your goals, focus on the things that are with in your control 100%. And in online sales, there are so many things that you can control aside from the variables that are happening around you. And so this is just highlighting a few of those things that you can do as an online sales specialist to do your best, no matter what happens in the industry. So setting goals, meeting them, and then celebrating them and setting another one. Yeah. It doesn't have to be overly like complicated. It. And I think, right. I, 
I feel like it started with food, but then it translated into every other part of our life where like we're supposed to be highly interested in a system or of a codified set of steps that must be followed. And we want to evangelize that to all of our friends and network. I'm a little tired of it, you know, to go to a basketball game and everyone's like, Hey, uh, again, I talked about the Enneagram thing, but I'm over that too. It's just like, I don't want to talk about Enneagrams at basketball games. I just want to watch basketball. Can't we just exist and be? Yeah. Uh, so I think the most important thing and the only thing that I would really stress, which I'm, I'm huge on goal setting, you should do it. But if you don't have those goals visible in front of you on a regular basis, it's not just reviewing your progress of those goals and whether those are still the goals that you want to be chasing, but you've got to have them in front of you. Mm-hmm. That's the only part of the name it and claim it secret book Oprah club thing is like, you have to be able to see that on a regular basis or envision it on a regular basis to keep yourself focused. It's just about focus. And I think it needs to mean something to you, like an emotion behind it or some, or emotion, not an emotion. Like if it, if you were like, ah, I don't really care too much about that. But at the time you're like, I think that's what I want to do. Yeah. Might and who knows where this is going to go. But as an example, like I could get myself, I don't like cars again. But I, 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 the more I research, I'm like, well, I should get a car that's like more reliable. I mean, if I'm going to start doing college tours soon with my kids and driving all around, I, I, I wanted something that's comfortable. And then you get to the point where you're looking at a sticker tag and then I'm, I'm thinking, no, like the refocus for me is we're good. I don't, I'm not known by the car I drive and what else could I do with that money? That would be a better impact on the world. And that's one of the reasons I love, I mean, Jeeps are not inexpensive cars, but the Jeep that I have has no sensors or anything. It has air conditioning and a backup camera. That's it. And I love driving that car around because I feel like a good steward. So my focus is like, am I a good steward of the money that I've been given? Am I able to give back to people? Am I able to be helpful? And so then all of a sudden, because of that focus and clarity, it's like, I don't need a Tesla. really fancy Tesla car. No, forget it. I don't care if it's on sale. Also, <laughs> the marketer me is like, it's on sale for a reason. So this is true. Yeah. Awesome. All yeah, right. I think, I think online sales specialists right now, when we're talking about goals are really too focused on the benchmarks or on what other people are doing. That is that our fault. Taking... I'm just kidding. It's not, our no, fault. I don't it's think it's our fault. fault, but they really <laughs> should just track the trends. Like yeah. are things picking up? Are things slowing down that they don't put their actual goals in a way that's going to be proactive and change their future conversions. They're too focused on what they're doing and, and almost fudging the data behind the scenes. Like you were talking about earlier, Kevin, of like, well, is this a lead? Am I going to count it? Do I enter mm-hmm. this call into the CRM? Like we did a webinar internally of like, yes, a hundred percent. If it's a lead, it goes into the CRM unless it's a trade partner, someone looking for work or an existing homeowner. Yeah. And they're having a hard time with that. So yeah. And even if you get too much of that, like not the trade partner thing or appraiser, but if there's other stuff that's coming in, you got to somehow still keep track of it to let marketing know that you need help preventing it from continuing to happen mm-hmm. and gunk up the system. Yeah. A uh, quick reminder as well from the blog that National OSC Day is on February 9th Woo-hoo. of this year and every year. Day. It's always on the same day. Express your appreciation, get the team involved, celebrate the numbers, give a token of appreciation. Maybe you offer to be a backup for part of the day or, you know, the example here in the blog post is just say, hey, you can go to a movie 
and I, and I'll just just relax, and I'll I'll keep the phones for two hours, you know, whatever it is. In the day, uh, yeah, and then we also good. included some examples from uh, other builders and how they've celebrated it. So we talked about that's it last right. time, but we didn't have the examples loaded up in the post. So go to the link in the show notes and check out some of the ways that people were shouting out about that last year. And apparently, this is only the second year. I feel like yeah. this has been around for a long time. Time but. flies. Yeah. And we're doing a fun competition. So if you're an OSC or a OSC manager listening, keep an eye out. We're going to do something fun on our side and give away some prizes. So more to come mm-hmm. on that, but we're really excited. Nice. All right. Next up from CNBC.com, Microsoft announces another multi-billion dollar investment in chat GPT maker OpenAI. Um, I'm not actually, I mean, I haven't followed this closely. Is this actually another, a new multi-year billion dollar investment? So here's some technical stuff is that OpenAI slash ChatGPT and Dolly 2, they all run on Microsoft Azure, which is Microsoft's cloud service competitor to AWS. Cloud is a huge moneymaker for any companies involved in that space for the last couple of years and will continue to be a trend. So Microsoft has like, I don't know, but I think the technical term is a buttload of reasons to do this. It's very accurate. <laughs> I love when I say the stupid stuff. I was Keep that in, too. Jackie, because that's the truth. Keep it um, in. We call the little, where you plug the USB cable into the, like the uh, charging plug or whatever that uh-huh. goes into the wall. Somehow, my wife said something like, oh, a, char- a butt, it's a butt. And now our, our youngest, <laughs> whose birthday is on February 9th, is like, where is my butt? She'll run, <laughs> try to charge her iPad. I'm like, what are you saying? That's like, I need a butt. Where's, oh, um, my, oh my God. So, so the first is that Microsoft has been failing in search forever in comparison to Google. The, Google is freaked out to the point about all this that they've called back in former CEOs and, and experts to try to come in and figure out what the heck do we do while also firing a whole bunch of people. Microsoft also let um, several thousand people go. But Microsoft is really keen on using OpenAI's platforms to improve their search capability. And like, I don't, I don't know the exact number, but something like millions of dollars are being lost every day currently by OpenAI because of all the compute time that they have to purchase on Microsoft's cloud service. So they're putting money in and they're getting some money back as OpenAI grows as long as it stays on Microsoft's platform. Like I think actually part of the investment is like credits in using the cloud service that makes ChatGPT run. <laughs> but this is a big, big uh, investment. And it is, I think the most fun part, which will tie into some other stuff we talk about later, is it's really shaking Google up. Like they are like, whoa, we fell asleep. We started focusing on other stuff. And now our core business is being potentially threatened. And that's good for everyone. Now, we've already talked a lot about AI and its its involvement. Could you, ex- could you expand on that a little bit for those who are not as super nerdy? Oh, yeah. Ask me I a question, with, then I can. I played with it a little bit ago. And essentially, you could ask a question. You could ask ask anything. And I'm yes. like, well, here's the answer. Like, this was, like, I put in there, like, I did every topic of my life or circles of my life that I'm interested in. I'm like, hmm, this is like a blog post that just... It just wrote for me, like how to do this, which essentially like it, it was almost like a easier version to search. I didn't have to worry about a site. I didn't see an ad. Like it just gave me an answer. Yeah. But I knew I knew what the answer should be. And I'm like, well, holy crap. That was a, a good answer. That's yeah. weird. It It is a calculator like we've talked about for reading and writing. It's great for brainstorming. It's a tireless assistant. It's a co-pilot in, in some fashion. But also remember that 
GPT stands for Generative Pre-Training Transformer, which is mm-hmm. fancy talk for it looks at what words are commonly found around other words and then by context. So if I ask it to talk about baseball, it's looking at the word baseball. It understands that that's a topic. It, it has content that's recorded and, and learned on the subject. And then it starts spitting out words. And as you watch it work, what it's doing is it's saying, you know, 85% of the time when the topic of baseball is considered, if this word shows up, the next word would be one of these three words. Which one should I pick? We'll pick that one. It is, it's almost like, what's that game show on Price is Right? Like Plinko. Plinko. Like the words are coming down the board and they're dropping in. Now it's going super fast and it's, it's not as random as Plinko itself would be. But it, the, it's, it's interesting. So your first, most people's first reaction to this is, oh my gosh, this is incredible. Then you work with it for a little bit more. It's like the Dunning-Kruger effect. You work for a little bit more and you're like, oh, it's, it's even more incredible than I thought. And then you use it for about a month solid like I have been. And you're like, hmm. oh, it's, it's good. <laughs> but your mind's not blown anymore because you start <laughs> yeah. to see the code behind it all a little bit. But for the average person trying to find a general good enough answer, it's like 85% accurate or 98% accurate. It's a dream where you can just ask a question and it's going to give you an answer directly versus saying, here's a hundred thousand different web pages that one of them might have the answer, which is Google's approach. Right. And we're going to order them in, in what we think the bright answer would be. For one, one thing I did, I closed it down or else I'd read it. I took our intro to the podcast and I said, make this rhyme, make <laughs> this phrase rhyme. And I put it in quotes. I just guessed. I didn't, there's no like, I don't, I'm sure there's like syntax I could use to use uh-huh. it better. But I'm like, okay, if I put in quotes, like maybe they recognize like that's what this phrase is. And I'm like, oh, like, I mean, that does rhyme. It wasn't, I wasn't blown away by it, but I'd imagine if I had more language yeah. in there, it could have done something a, a bit more fun. Yeah. Like, I oh, think the pretty, technical term phrase. That, that is used is um, how many shots you give it. I think that's, uh, it's not prompts. Uh, because prompt is the, the entire thing you're typing, but um, there's real quickly because I I can tell that Jesse is enthralled with this conversation. She, she, she is. No, it actually to... really is cool because I played with it today. Um, my yeah, I know you guys were, were looking at it for small it was cool. stuff. Yeah, we could like rewrite this email, and it oh boom. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I mean, give me thirty ideas for a subject line to this email that's less than six words and includes an emoji. That yeah. that stuff is fantastic. Um, but there's three different main ways to think about using it. The first is just to ask it a question, which is called a zero shot. I mean, you're giving it no prompting on what you really want it to do or the output. You're just like, you can just say basketball. You can actually just put in five emojis and hit enter and watch what happens. It's more, not random again, because nothing is random in the system, but you're not, you're not training it with the question. Then there's a one shot methodology, which is I'm going to give you one kind of primer training thing to work off of. And that's what you're ex- defining there, Andrew, of like, I'm showing you one example. Yep. And in the one example, it understands more of the context, but it still will iterate off of it because it doesn't understand that you want it just a certain way. But if I had, let's say, um, a floor plan name, floor plan description, and I, and I put in three of them in a row the same way, and I said, now make a fourth from this page, and I put in the URL, it would spit it out exactly 
or much more closely to exactly that same format because I gave it not not zero examples, not one example, but three or four examples of the Makes output sense. that I wanted. Super cool. cool. You know, I was, as you guys were talking, I was looking something up because I was watching the news yesterday morning and they were talking all about chat GPT online. It's like, I think it's on Twitter. Or, I mean, not Twitter. Um, what's Discord? the TikTok? I'm not oh, on TikTok. it anymore. Where everybody's looking at it, using it right now to write like papers for school or mm-hmm. all of these different things. That. But yesterday morning, I was looking that Congressman Jake Auchincloss was delivering a speech on AI. And he used ChatGPT to write his speech as an example. And I just thought it was so cool, but also it kind of scared me at the same time. It's like, when are we going to like eliminate the use for, you know, our creative minds or the way we need to do things. So kind of freaks me out, but it's really neat at the same time for small stuff. Yeah. I'll, that reminds me of, um, I shared this with our team. This is, his name is Ethan Mollick. He's an associate professor at Wharton uh, school and he created a, an AI policy. And I'm just going to summarize uh, quickly the things. So, so he's, he gave this to all of his students in the syllabus and it says, I expect you to use this because it's out there. It's a tool, just like a calculator or the periodic table of ele- elements. Like why would you not use that if you're in science? It's like, so I expect you to use this, but he said, if you provide minimum effort prompts, you will get low quality results. You need to refine your prompts in order to get good outcomes. This will take work. So he's like, just because you get the work done, if it stinks, um, just be clear, it's your fault, not the AI systems. Don't trust anything it says. If it gives you a number or a fact, assume it is wrong unless you can corroborate it, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. AI is a tool, but one you have to acknowledge using. So please include a paragraph at the end of any assignment that uses AI explaining what you use the AI for and what prompt you used. So you have to say what you gave the system in order to get part of that answer out. Um, so I just, I thought it was really interesting that people are already thankfully being thoughtful about this because I, it, it could be definitely used incorrectly and still shouldn't be used to do your homework for you. Yeah. Use it as a tool. That's right. Next up from the real and Inman Rupert Murdoch is in talks to sell move incorporated to CoStar. So real quick review of who CoStar is. They are the parent, CoStar Group is the parent company of, of many um, things, including LoopNet, which is the basically the Zillow for commercial real estate. Um, they own Apartments.com, which is far and away the number one apartment uh, website for listings and leasing. They also own, I think, Lands of America, like raw land for sale sites. And um, they also, gosh, maybe two years ago, bought Homes.com and uh, some other assets related to residential real estate. And so we've known that they've been eyeing the space for a while. We've talked about this on the podcast, but now they are in talks to potentially acquire move, which is the parent company of realtor.com. So interesting. Um, they are a giant company. They are a profitable company. They're highly litigious, which I'll talk about, which I'm not saying that in a bad way, actually, um, necessarily, but now we, we, it looks like we're going to have a serious number two challenger to Zillow because, again, uh, New Home Source has been great for builders over the years, and BDX uh, is a company running, running that service. It's not um, innovated the way that it, it needed to or should have to be a true competitor to Zillow. Uh, Realtor.com has, has not, gosh, in a long time been a serious competitor 
to Zillow either in terms of like Zillow's user base is just exponentially larger than any other player. Even if you add homes.com and realtor.com together, I think it's going to be like a third the traffic of what goes to Zillow on a monthly basis. Mm -hmm. So this isn't an immediate, oh crap moment for anyone in the space, but we, we would finally have a real number two player. Um, and for those of you, again, who aren't as familiar with CoStar, my friend Rob Hahn uh, has been watching them for a long time, and he and I have talked a lot about this, and, and you can go listen to his podcast as well, um, The Notorious ROB, as he's called. And he's from Vegas, so I'm going to get to see him uh, next he's week fun. when I'm out he's on the show as too. well. Is that CoStar understands data perhaps better than anyone else in the space outside of Zillow as well. And you can't copyright square footage or bedroom count. So, you know, it's like having a telephone number. It's in the, it's in the phone book. Anyone's going to use it, right? Mm-hmm. So they understand that part. But what um, CoStar has done for a long time in the commercial space and, and in the rental space now is say, but we'll also help you with content. We'll make it really easy and either at cost or just above cost. You can use our photographers. You can use our videographers. We'll write copy for you. We'll create articles. We'll do all this amazing stuff. And then they give license to use that content to the listing agent. So listing agent can use that content for whatever they want in the whole entire world. No problem. Put it on a billboard, use it in direct mail, put it online, put it in your XML feed or in the MLS. You do you. But if anyone else uses that content, they don't have that license agreement with CoStar. And so if that content shows up on you know, the, the random HDR realtor site who's not the listing agent who paid for that content, they can't use it. So they're, they're kind of they, incredibly smart. And this is why I say that let, some people cry, well, they're really litigious and they sue people and they, they're not fair. And part of me says, man, this guy, Andy, actually understands how important data is to the point that he's willing to protect the data and the use because his company made it. It's their data. Yeah. So- You'll see some articles like, is this good or bad for the industry? Is CoStar a wolf in sheep's clothing? And there's a whole lot more to the deal because Move Inc. licenses the realtor name from the National Association of Realtors. They also don't own that outright. Um, Realtor.com's business model is to sell advertising and leads to folks, and that's how they make their revenue. When CoStar bought Homes.com, I think I saw an interview with Andy where he said they were getting more than $40 million in revenue a year from advertising sources uh, similar to what Realtor.com does now. And within a month, I think he said they killed all of it because their model is your listing is your own lead. So every lead for that listing, again, because they're partnering with the listing agent to make all that content, it goes back to you and you only. You don't have to. So perception from realtors would be like, I want to go with these guys versus yeah. Zillow. But because Probably. of prior events over the last decade, everyone's super nervous because when I say like some people, you have different feelings about what I say when I say that CoStar is from a market cap size, not in terms of importance to, to residential real estate necessarily right now, but market cap, they're three times larger than Zillow. The same realtor who's like, yes, I want a listing, my listing, my lead model is also like, I don't know that I want to trust any company that big with my livelihood in that way. I get it, but might not have a choice. 
it's going to change and it's going to change slower than maybe some people expect, but faster, faster than, than, than you'd expect as well at the same time. I think to me, this whole industry has felt for the last two to three years, like there's five people at the okay corral and they're all pointing guns at each other and they're waiting for someone to shoot because no one wants to, to fire the bullet first. But this is a, this is a big three, it's a $3 billion acquisition is what's estimated to purchase realtor.com. So it's uh, it'll be interesting. And we're going to get to talk to a lot of people in the hallways clandestinely to figure out what else is going on. So yeah, we'll see what else I can share later. Be good. And last but not least on the news front from CNBC.com, the department of justice files second antitrust suit against Google seeking to break up its ad business. So dumb. <laughs> I think it's so they're like, hey, um, yeah, Google, we'd like you to just make the ad business a different business altogether, please. That would be like going to Amazon and saying, you must remove AWS, which is the reason why you actually get free shipping, is is the profit that AWS gets as a as a cloud service yeah. to Amazon. I don't think this has legs personally. I think it's political theater. But I think so too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At the end, it's like, they're trying to pick winners and losers. And I'm like, I'm on board with that. Of course I'm, I'm on board with like government shouldn't be doing things like this. Anyways, like clearly Google's yeah. a better product for like wipe everything aside, poll a hundred people. Which one do you like to use more? Google, 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 Google. Okay, yep. you go. I, sorry, Bing. Sorry, Yahoo. Sorry, DuckDuckGo. All these other ones. Yeah. Especially now it seems like by the time this might actually get somewhere, Microsoft and OpenAI might be considered a more serious contender to search anyway. So that's mm-hmm. like my initial yeah. thought when I heard that CoStar was wanting to acquire a realtor. I was like, there's no way in this in this political environment they're going to let that happen. But all both of those parties are going to have to do is be like, hey, see that Zillow thing over there? That's still the like worry about. the far and away number one source for everyone in the world or in the United States to, to go look at, at real estate. So. I, I think yeah, the, I think there's going to be more competition for Google to, to yeah, make the, the case the, that there's no reason for, to be broken up. Yeah, the article yeah. is worth reading. It talks about like the display network and how there's bidding platforms and you could do things if you're a publisher you're on the website as far as like, okay, you could have different platforms on your site that could then you make revenue from. And Google did things to prevent that, et cetera, et cetera. So there's some of that that is, you know, maybe it's gray area, uh, but it's still like it's a choice the publisher makes to even serve ads on their site. They don't have to serve any ads. So I don't know. To me, it gets too deep in, inside how people make their money, how businesses make their money. That, that just, yep. they're making the choice. Just like Zillow versus Realtor. All right. Before we get to favorites, the last piece is that you need to go to doyouconvert.com forward slash events or click the link in the show notes because there is not one, not two, but four different mm-hmm. events likely to be a fifth coming up here soon added there. The first of course is the show, uh, the builder show and all the different places you can see us there. The next is the market proof Academy, uh, which will be virtual April 4th through the 7th. Yeah. First time it's been four days. I think if I remember. Yeah. We're, we're stretching four it. Days, yeah. We're stretching it out longer to give everyone more time to absorb the information material and to get interactive. But that has sold out. I think, what is this? Is this the fifth time we're doing that? 
at six. Yeah. It's, it's getting up there and there's always a line and I don't know what it is about marketers. Cause normally I, I would give you all credit for being forward thinkers and planners. The last two, I get people calling me in a panic, like the day of, like, I'm still waiting for my owner to give me the thumbs up. <laughs> so it's not till April. You're not going to hear a lot more talk about that uh, from us, but just start the prep work now. Yeah. And then Jesse list yeah. online sales Academy in person, yeah. right? Yes. Yeah, we finalized the date. So it will be April 26th and 27th in person. And then of course you've got weeks of virtual training after that, but it's going to be in, I don't even know if we've announced this. I don't know if I'm allowed to, I don't know. But no, it's I mean, in Virginia beach. Virginia so beach. all of our East coasters. I thought she was being travel. sarcastic. Jen Barkin put that in the Slack channel and she was like, Virginia beach summit. Y'all. And I thought she meant the main summit. I was like, yeah, no. It's beautiful. It, like it's those, those pictures front. were legit. You'll want to be there if you haven't been before. So yeah, April yeah. 26th and 27th. And it's everything like A to Z to do your job extremely well. Yeah. Like more, more important. But yep. yeah. And then September crazy. 26th and 27th is the online sales and marketing summit. That seems like it's far away. But as we talked about last week, and we won't talk about it for probably two episodes, and then we'll harass you about it again. This year, we're doing something completely different, which is that we are giving away 200 tickets. Well, we're giving away one free ticket to each of the top 200 builders, or if you're one of those strange builders who doesn't uh, submit your data to the top list, as long as you have 150 sales or more, typically, um, then then you're eligible for one free ticket. Now, you have to buy a meal voucher to cover your meals and all the beverages and all, all the snacks and the other goodies, um, but the ticket is completely free. And then we also are going to be releasing later to the VIP list. If you don't get one of those free tickets, additional tickets at a limited number of additional tickets at seven forty nine, I believe. So essentially half price. There'll be a limited number of those as well. That's to wow. make sure that even in a year where things are tougher, that everyone gets an opportunity to come. And the venue space is also fantastic. It's going to let us have even more people than typical attend, and we're going to have more sessions. Because someone on our team is about to publish a fantastic book on a topic, so they'll have a extra little session or two. We've got <laughs> I love how secretive that was. We've got Carla now on the team, so she's going to be able to talk about. At least this is what I want you to talk about, Carla. If you're listening, is design for everyone. I want to have a design class where everyone who is terrible at design. Can you just imagine, Jesse? Like all of the online salespeople who want to, or or marketers who maybe aren't designers. Like if you want to use Canva and create something that's not horrid, here's how you do that. Or just how to think about design. I think that would be awesome, among other things. So we're going to, in the past, I think we've had more than 35 different educational sessions over three tracks. We're going to have even more. So the only thing that's different this year is improved venue, uh, which also should mean improved food, as well as um, both free and a limited number of half-price tickets. So, and that's in Dallas. So direct flights for the entire world. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Everyone can get to Dallas. All right. Favorites. What do we got? Favorite thing, movie, song, book, idiom. Oh man. Oh Oh, gosh. This is, I don't know. I did not even think about this. Well, mine's not a book or a show or anything like that, but I just found, I'm a Facebook marketplace chick and I'm like frequent flyer on that page. And I found a um, old turntable cabinet that somebody had redone. 
and it was cheap and I bought it. Okay. And then of course the turntable didn't work. So it's a nice piece in there, but then I went and bought a turntable and I've been going to a local place here and buying vinyls and just listening to those. So it's been really nice. Over so the past I, have, couple of weeks. I have three vinyl records up behind me on my wall. Mostly, well, the first one is my favorite uh, album of all time, Torches by Foster the People. Incredible from beginning to end album. Came out in 2011. Uh, the other two are just color choices, really. I mean, I like the albums as well, but everyone always asks, like, so do you do you ever play records? I, I do not own a record player. so Oh, you got to get one. Yeah. Well, you need you to shop for a, me um, yeah, on Facebook I Marketplace sure and then With just the send audio. me a bill audio files that are like audio p-h-i-l-e that are like super into audio see i think if you go down that route you might get that tendency because it's all this techie stuff You're like oh i yeah. can hear this completely differently yeah. i guess Andrew, my you favorite bluetooth now you put your oh, vinyl on there and wow. it plays out on bluetooth huh. oh, yeah. incredible hmm. yep so here's the millennial and me on how i shop so i could if i need new shorts i could go to target which is four minutes away from the house they might not have my size the color all this stuff so i rather go on amazon and buy like $200 worth of shorts, return what I don't like, and then I keep what I have. And like I could order today, pretty much where I'm at here in Tampa. Everything's like the next day, like 4 a.m. to you know 8 a.m. delivery time. So I found this brand. I feel like these brands are just made up names or some dude in his basement that just brought stuff over from a supplier and just put a name on it. So I have these new shorts. They're called M. How do we pronounce this? M-A-A-M-G-I-C. I have no idea, but I have like 10 <laughs> pairs of these now. I'd like to hear you try. Uh, mom, mom chick, ma'am, ma'am chick, ma'am chick. I have no idea. I don't know, but new favorite shorts. If you're, if you're in the South and you're wearing shorts in January, there we go. And that's how there I shop. It takes me five minutes. It's amazing. I'm going to go with Trader Joe's, which is off the okay. typical direction okay. because they seem to be like consistently into different pancake flavor mixes oh, and sure. all things maple. And I don't, uh, there's not a Trader Joe's near my house. So I don't shop there, but someone sent me, they, they have apparently, you know, like pirates booty is this um, popcornish thing. My yeah. daughter's obsessed with it. To me, it tastes weird. She loves it. It tastes like fancy cheese, some kind of fancy cheese puff. Um, but they have basically that, but it's, it's maple syrup flavored puffs that they're selling at Trader Joe's. So okay. I just have to, I just have to say that that's. I mean, have you been to Bucky's before? I have been to Bucky's. Yes, they they have some really good caramel puffs like that too. Mm. How close is a Bucky's to you? Me? Yeah, yeah, Jesse. Yeah. Um, about an hour. Okay. Yeah. Will you drive an hour just to go there? Heck no, no. <laughs> okay. But it's on my way to Myrtle Beach, and y'all yeah. okay. know me. I'm redneck. I go to the NASCAR race, so it's on my way to the NASCAR yeah, race buddy. a couple times a year. So. I get my Bucky's fix. I know we we need one closer, but yeah, my closest is three and a half hours away. But um, what a my, great place! My other favorite is there's this um, nonprofit organization here called Lifeline Ministries, and so um, yeah. we're we're partnering with them. They they create this system of filling up bags with beans, rice, flavoring, vitamins, whatever. But it's like this assembly line system that you can set up anywhere. To, to do that. And it's like an outsource. Like if, if a group of people want to do this, here's all the tools and they make, have this really, it's probably shot on a red camera video of like how to do it. It's, it's really slick process. Um, but we're going to, we're working with, um, another organization in town to try to get 45,000 meals 
made by teenagers in a single afternoon using this assembly line process. And then we'll send some to Guatemala, some to Cuba, oh. uh, which I don't know if I was supposed to say that, but no one from Cuba is listening. They don't really like when you send stuff there. Just might show uh, up. Different places around the country or around the world rather. Uh, and I just think it's so cool that there's, there's lots of things that it's cool about it, but in particular, it was like, here's this nonprofit organization, and you'll appreciate this, Andrew, who, like, the lighting on this video, I'll send it to you. Yeah, the lighting's great. The audio's great. And this is a company that makes no profit in any given year. And it's a yeah. training video that they're going to show to a bunch of people, but they could have just phoned it in. I just love that. Like, yeah, they went all in. But what, what, what I hope they did was someone who's part of it's like, this is what I do for a living here's my time yeah. versus like, you know what we should do? Like let's spend 30,000 on this setup or, you know, I'm sure they did the first, which would only make sense, but that's pretty cool. But there's something to be said about like a nonprofit that seems to have their act together mm-hmm. and the production quality and all these sorts of things as far as like, Oh, I want to work with them yeah. and give them money versus something that seems low budget. Oh, so. uh, this always happens at the end of it. I just want to say all the things that I, um, so today I've gotten a call from Australia from Guatemala okay. and from France, from people who would like to make sure we connect at the Builder Show. The most fun one was playing the, I go up to my boys, because my boys are obsessed with Bluey. Uh, it's this Australian character. They also watch the Norris Nuts on YouTube. They're, they're just obsessed with everything Australia related, and they talk in Australian accents all the time. So I go, hey, boys, listen to this. And I played them the message, and it's talking about, do you convert? And really looking forward to seeing Kevin coolest dad and ever. can we get together and they're talking in an Australian accent and they're just looking at me like what is going dad, on you're so cool. um so we're we're unfortunately um pretty much the whole dyc team we're, we're we're we can't take any more scheduled commitments so the best thing i always say is just put my cell phone number in your phone jackie don't put this in the show notes you have to listen but it's 412-779-8758 412 and just text me when you are sitting in the hallway, not sure what to do or what's going on, text me periodically as well. Just give me grace if I'm talking to you and I check my phone because someone's probably texting me saying, I'm bored in the hallway. What should I do, Kevin? Where are you? Can we meet up? But that's the most fun way to do this is just let Where serendipity take over. You can schedule yeah. a certain number of things and then you're just like, look, we're all going to be in the same three hallways. We'll figure this out. Yeah. Vegas is perfect for that compared to Orlando. Yeah. It's all right there. And the pancakes this year. Are going to be off the hook. Oh man, there better be pictures. There will be pictures of the pancakes. Everything else, mm, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right, that'll do it for this week. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to become a member for free of Do You Converts All Access Community App for home builders and developers. Watch behind the scenes videos from the podcast, frequent exclusive postings. There's been a lot of those lately, and analysis from the team. Access to private hangouts; those are yet to come, and more. We'll see you next week. See ya. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Market Proof Marketing. Can't wait for the next one or looking to connect with other new home marketers? Become a member of our private community, DYC All Access, which is 100% free and always will be. Get exclusive content not shared anywhere else, access to private events, and the ability to join a marketing impact group with other marketers like you around the country. Visit our link in the show notes or members.doyouconvert.com to join. All opinions expressed by me, Andrew Peake, Jackie Lipinski, and our castmates are solely our own opinions. Now get to work and make sure your company is market-proof.